Hello and welcome to the latest edition of China Inc. by Bamboo Works, where we discuss the latest business and financial news from China and what it all means. I'm Doug Young, Bamboo Works editor in chief, and I'm joined today by Renee Vangusten, one of our founding partners, who's also a longtime China watcher and former investment banker. Today we'll look at Chinese Premier Li Qiang's visit to the World Economic Forum in Davos, Switzerland, last week. We'll also look at a potential major setback for fast fashion sensation Xi'an and its march to Wall Street. We'll start with Li Qiang, China's newly minted premier, who was in Davos for the latest edition of the World Economic Forum. Li made the first major address by a top Chinese official since the pandemic, and his visit was also his first since being named as China's number two man behind only President Xi Jinping. Probably Li's biggest revelation was that China's economy grew 5.2 percent last year, which was roughly in line with the government's target for quote about 5 percent growth unquote. Some are saying actual growth may have been quite a bit lower since China has a reputation for massaging data to get the figures it wants. So, Renee, what's what's your take on both of the things I just said, and you know what kind of、uh, growth he he didn't give any forecasts for this year. That'll probably come in March, but.、Uh, You know, what do you see、uh, for this year in terms of growth?、Um, well, first of all,、um, looking at、uh, last year, five point two is an interesting figure.、Um, I think that、uh, the government had、uh, announced that they would that the target would be five.、Hmm. I think if they had come up with five, everybody would have laughed. <laughs> So they obviously couldn't get below five, so they went a bit above five. Well, they did say about five percent.、Um, yeah. Well, yeah. It had to be above five, anyhow. Otherwise, it, it wouldn't <laughs> be good.、Um, so yeah, I mean, there's a lot of skepticism out there. I think that、uh, most of the commentaries that I have seen、uh, point to the belief, at least outside China. In the West, let's say that、uh, it was lower than that, actually, and somewhat、mm. lower in some cases. I saw very few、uh, commentaries that uh, were uh, on the other side of、um, the 5.2 percent or 5 percent.、Um, um, where does it take us going forward? I don't know. I mean, nobody knows. It will take us where the government、um, wants us to be taken.、Um, they'll come up with a number. I think I agree with you. The timing is is very likely sometime in March at the time of、um, the annual meeting. They'll come up with a target.、Um, I have heard comments saying that it will be a bit below five this time, and、uh, whether it's because、uh, they believe it or because they want to manage expectations once again,、uh, given that everybody knows that the economy is slowing down, you've got three months of continued deflation.、Um, the real estate、uh, problem is not、uh, getting any better. Uh, banks、uh, have issues. The stock、mm. market doesn't believe in anything. So、um, I would expect that、um, if they want the world to look at them as being somewhat a bit realistic, I would expect they will come down. They will come a bit below five percent.、Um, I mean, she has been publicly commenting on the fact that、uh, 
uh, China is going through very tough times economically wow. and so on, but it's um, it's necessary if um, if we want a better, brighter future uh, eventually. So um, I wouldn't be surprised if they came out a little bit before by below five percent, uh, and then then they will do you know whatever uh, to beat that now. You know, I'm in the same position as just about everybody else. We're all guessing here because nobody knows what they're going to decide to throw money at uh, in 2024 that could obviously support a potentially a higher number. But uh, the country doesn't have uh, the ability any longer compared to years past mm. to throw a lot of money at a lot of things. And it looks like they have decided to be very, very uh, specifically focused on uh, new industries, high tech and so on. And because it's considered to be strategically important for the future of China. Those are not usually sectors that uh, create, you know, lots of jobs uh, and that therefore would, uh, you know, solve unemployment issues and and uh, and give a boost to consumer sentiment and all of that so um i think we're going to see another year that uh, that's not going to be a great year and then you know we'll see towards the end of the year what has happened to the economy overall right right actually it's interesting when you just said that i was thinking back i remember the the really the last big stimulus was uh, during the financial crisis it was like yes like four trillion, but we we should all remember that Xi Jinping was not on the scene then, and that was that was a very consumer oriented, uh, you know, really aimed at driving uh, ordinary consumption. But uh, it's interesting what you say, you know, that Xi's priorities don't necessarily seem to be uh, driving broader consumption through massive spending, but rather this more targeted approach. Right. Yeah, I think that, uh, you know, that's also recognition of the fact that the country doesn't have unlimited amount of money anymore and, and cannot continue to, you know, borrow unlimited amounts of money. Mm. Uh, I think that uh, they all know that they're kind of like, you know, uh, stretched. And uh, the central government has the ability to borrow more if it wants. But local governments are in pretty bad shape and so on. So if you look at the overall, you know, envelope and so on, uh, they can do things the way they, you know, used to do 10 years ago, even five years ago. Right. And also they probably need to set some money aside in case something blows up, which <laughs> right. is, is always a possibility. Yeah. I don't think it was quite as big a possibility back in 2008. Okay. Well, let's, uh, let's move on. Uh, Next, we're going to look at a fast fashion sensation, Xi'an, which late last year reportedly made its first confidential filings for a U.S. IPO that could value the company at up to $90 billion. Now, the Wall Street Journal is reporting that China's Internet regulator, the Cyberspace Administration of China, has opened a probe into Xi'an's practices for handling and sharing data. Surprise, surprise. The implication here is quite straightforward, namely that China may determine Xi'an owns sensitive data and therefore its overseas listing could pose a national security threat. In reality, though, most of Xi'an's most sensitive data should be on American and other foreign consumers since 
most of its buyers are in those countries. Um, the company's moved its headquarters from China to Singapore in order to avoid this kind of meddling. Um, so, you know, with all those different factors at play, how, how do you think this whole thing is going to play out, Renee? Um, well, what I, I find is actually pretty interesting, and I look at two um, separate uh, issues in here. One is the move of the headquarters. Uh, and uh, as we all know, the Chinese government a few months ago uh, went to investment banks and law firms, at least on the Chinese side, that works on global IPOs and told them that um, they could not uh, any longer um, accept comments about the China risk <laughs> in prospectuses. Um, and therefore, in what is the information that's provided to the public to determine whether to buy uh, in an IPO or not. Uh, so they obviously have been extremely sensitive about it. So is it possible here that they are actually mad at Xi'an for moving their headquarters to Singapore, I think in the case of uh, that company, yeah. Right. Uh, and therefore kind of telling the whole world, uh, this way we don't have to talk about the China risk, or not as much. Um, <laughs> We're just showing you the China risk in uh, real actions here. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, politically speaking, I'm sure that uh, that's, uh, that's not particularly appreciated uh, in, in the circles at the top of the country. Mm. So that's one thing. Um, and, uh, but it, I wouldn't be surprised if, if that happened, if that was one of the reasons, at least, probably not the only one. But then you look at the other reason, uh, national security threat. And I agree with you. I mean, Xin doesn't really sell, or at least not very much, uh, to Chinese consumers. So it cannot be that they have you know, personal data on on tens of millions and hundreds of millions of Chinese people like and Financial Head or Didi or whatever. Right. Um, and, but on the other hand, I think it depends a lot on how you define national security content, if you want. And there is obviously one thing that Xin has, um, which is, uh, data about a lot of manufacturing activities in China, mm. um, how through the sales and the sales of made in China products to the US and Europe and everywhere else in the world where they can sell. So uh, I don't think, I agree with you, I don't think that they have a lot of personal data uh, information, but they obviously have a lot of information about What's going on, at least in a certain sector of uh, parts of the manufacturing sector in China, mm. and and that obviously can turn into some sort of a you know economic indicator or whatever, and maybe maybe that is in itself sensitive when you know people become paranoid and they think that the, every bit of information, including the weather. Uh, that makes it to uh, foreign hands is is a national security threat. That's right. We're going to uh, sabotage their their manufacturing, their clothing manufacturers. Well, so I mean, uh, who knows? Again, how how do you think this particular case is going to play out? And 
you know, after that, I was going to ask how, you know, how, what are the broader implications of this? But let's finish first. I mean, do you think China's going to, you know, make, make them into a, you know, a, a case study of, of how not to do things? Or you think they're going to let this go ahead? Well, uh, you know, we don't know. We, we know actually very little, or at least I know very little about what the company has gone through in terms of um, acquiring the uh, uh, required approvals uh, from Chinese regulators. The fact that if this is true, then that would indicate to me that somehow they they are missing or have not yet obtained the approval from one of the uh, government agencies in China that are supposed to vet uh, IPOs overseas. Mm -hmm. Uh, otherwise, why would this come up now? Or who knows? Everything is always possible. They may have received the approval, but uh, on a second reading by somebody else inside that agency, uh, they determined that the approval shouldn't have been given. Who, you know, it's a bit like with Didi. You don't know anything until the official explanation eventually arrives and it's usually always after the fact right so i think we all a bit in uh, in the dark here in the fog all right so we're not uh not gonna make any uh any calls on this one well how about i mean you know if if china really does you know kill this ipo um or even if they don't, I mean, what are what are the sort of broader implications for other major companies looking to list overseas? And I really mean, you know, the majors, like you know, ones with usually a more than a million users or you know, lots of data. You know, big companies, not these small ones. You know, what's what's the implications for them? And even even if they move their headquarters to Singapore, but they still have major operations in China, are these companies all pretty much still at risk? Well, you know, what, what is interesting here is, um, so Xi'an is now a Singaporean company, but, uh, I have to assume that, uh, they have a VIE structure with companies, uh, that are domestic China legal entities. So, uh, regulators in China still have some oversight over that. Mm. Uh, the fact that they headquartered in Singapore now, at least at the level of the uh, list go, if you want, uh, I don't see how the Chinese government could have any regulatory oversight on that. But, you know, they produce mostly in China, so they have operating entities in China, and therefore the Chinese government uh, has uh, the, uh, you know, the ability to at least work on that side of it. Right. If you work on that side of it and you say no, the other side that may not be a legal entity in China anymore, basically, you know, can't really go anywhere. Hmm. No? Right? Right. So, and, and, you know, I mean, there are other companies that have done that, like Temu, uh, which is part of Pindodo, but they're not at least on any IPO track that I know of. At this stage, hmm. uh, the uh, but you know it, it's really interesting, especially when you think about it in terms of geopolitics and so on, because you know 
there are lots of European and U.S. companies that are publicly listed in the U.S. or in Europe, uh, and that have big operations in China. Right. Uh, so I think that Sheen probably felt like, okay, we just like Coca-Cola or whatever <laughs> now. We move to Singapore and, and, <laughs> and we're fine, right? Well, obviously, that's some sort of miscalculation, assuming that this information is, is actually true. Right, right. Yeah, it's sort of like, um, you know, all these Chinese nationals who become naturalized citizens of another country, but China still seems to, to think of them as, as their own people. Yeah. I don't think that, I don't think that, the, I don't think this changes a lot for Chinese companies in general who want to go list in the US or Hong Kong. I mean, I think it's been pretty clear. Uh, for a while now that, you know, if you're this type of company, you will probably get the approval. If you're that type of company, don't even waste your time <laughs> to get approval. Right. So uh, the lines, I think the lines are, are pretty clear. There are companies that are on track to IPO in the US, uh, this year. Uh, we know that. I cannot mention any names, but we know that and they have obtained approvals. Um, so this seems to be, I would guess, at least for now, an isolated case for whatever reason. Right. Well, I think they're one of the big ones, too. I think a lot of the companies yeah. you're thinking of and I'm thinking of have, you know, less than a million users, which seems to be their threshold. For yeah. What, what's considered uh, sensitive. So, yeah, and I think the number with, you know, the number of users that would get them worried is probably not that big. Mm hmm. Okay. All right. Well, let's 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 wrap it up there. Um, thanks everybody for joining us this week. In our next program, we'll look at China's new embrace of genetically modified crops, and we'll also look at a new U.S. listing plan for the international business of Anta, which is China's homegrown version of Nike. If you like what you hear, please tell your friends about us and rate us and share us on your favorite podcast app. Meantime, hope to see you all next week. Goodbye for now. Thank you all. Goodbye.